The Truth About Greece by G. F. Abbott. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Truth About Greece. 1. The Greco Servian Treaty. The military treaty between Greece and Servia, signed on May the 19th, 1913, before the Second Balkan War, was based on a state of things which was naturally altered by the results of that war. These changes led the authorities at Athens to the opinion that it was necessary, in accordance with Article Six of the treaty, that the two general staffs should consult together in order to arrange a plan of future cooperation up to a certain time this opinion appears to have been shared by the authorities at belgrade for on march the twenty first nineteen fourteen the greek minister in the servian capital informed his government that the servian government asked for a greek officer to be sent to belgrade to discuss with voivode putnik chief of the servian general staff the terms of a new agreement and in may colonel vlahopoulos was dispatched by the hellenic government to open the negotiations immediately on his arrival at belgrade the colonel called on the voivode and was told that he would be invited to a discussion at the proper moment after waiting ten days in vain the greek officer reminded the servian minister of war and the premier monsieur passage of the object of his mission but even after this step he failed to obtain an answer his impatience can easily be imagined for the relations between greece and turkey at the time owing to turkey's refusal to recognize the claim of greece to the islands ceded to her by the treaty of bucharest were very strained and everything pointed to the probability that in the event of a greco-turkish rupture bulgaria would not remain passive in other words there was reason to fear the very crisis which the greco-servian alliance had been formed to meet but servia had small comforts to give the greek emissary on the contrary on june the first at an audience with the crown prince at which he explained at his royal highness request the point which the greco-turkish dispute had been reached he was told that as servia found it absolutely impossible to come to her allies assistance greece should not push her differences with turkey too far the same advice was at the same time tendered to the hellenic government by the servian government this refusal of assistance constituted in itself a denunciation of the greco-servian treaty nevertheless the greek general staff continued its efforts to open negotiations with the servian general staff if not on the basis of the treaty at least on the basis of the common interests of the two countries in view of the bulgarian danger to which both alike were exposed and on july the thirtieth nineteen fourteen it demanded that the hellenic government should sound the servian government if in case bulgaria ordered a general mobilization servia would be disposed to bring part of her forces against her so as to prevent the concentration of the bulgarian forces and give the greek army time to mobilize the servian government apparently was then too engrossed by the outbreak of the european war to pay any attention to this communication on receiving no answer the greek general staff telegraphed to colonel vlahopoulos as follows quote, should only turkey attack greece the latter might by making a supreme effort bear the shock single-handed 
but if bulgaria joined in the attack it would be indispensable for serbia to oppose to her at least a hundred thousand men in order to prevent her concentration it would be well for the greek general staff to know the views of the serbian general staff on the subject of eventual action so that greece might take her measures accordingly unquote. colonel vlahopoulos communicated this message to the serbian headquarters and was informed by m that at a council in which the crown prince took part it was decided that so long as there was no imminent danger from the side of bulgaria servia could not move troops from the austrian to the bulgarian frontier first on account of the obligations she had contracted towards the entente and secondly because the servian army had already assumed the offensive on the austrian front m passage repeated this statement to the greek minister at nisch adding that in case of imminent danger from the side of bulgaria he intended to consult on the necessary measures first the powers of the entente the hellenic government from these two statements drew the conclusion that servia by her alliance with the entente powers had undertaken new obligations which deprived her of her freedom to fulfil her obligations towards greece even in the case of a bulgarian attack thus stood matters from august nineteen fourteen until march nineteen fifteen when the greek general staff once more tried to get into touch with the serbian general staff in order to ascertain at least the forces available against bulgaria and concert a plan of operations to that end it called colonel vlahopoulos to athens and on april the third gave him written instructions in which stress was laid on the necessity that servia should concentrate real forces on the bulgaro-servian frontier for it feared already some bulgarian attack among other things it stated that quote, the moment bulgaria invaded servia the bulgarian danger for the latter would be greater and more imminent than the austrian bulgarian troops entering servia through the district of egripalanka would render a retreat to the south impossible and the servian army would find itself pressed between the austrians and the bulgars unquote. it went on to add quote, if the servian general staff concur with these views it would be desirable that a consultation should at once take place between the two general staffs in order to study in advance the conditions of a military cooperation in case bulgaria abandoned her neutrality for any attempt at such an understanding at the moment of the attack would come too late unquote. colonel vlahopoulos on his return to niche succeeded on april the seventeenth in obtaining from the serbian authorities permission to go to krajujevac to meet voivoda putnik to whom he communicated the views and proposals of the greek general staff but the voivoda refused categorically to enter into any conversations whatever on the subject for he said the present military situation does not permit any thoughts in that direction in spite of successive rebuffs the greek general staff once more in june approached the servian government with detailed proposals for common action against bulgaria dwelling again on the necessity of a preliminary concentration of sufficient servian troops along the bulgarian frontier to counterbalance the bulgarian advantage in rapidity of mobilization these fresh efforts at an understanding proved as fruitless as all the preceding it is probable that the servian general staff felt convinced that even if bulgaria attacked greece she would not dare attack servia the ally of the entente powers but be the motive of servia's attitude what it may 
its meaning was unmistakable it meant that servia fettered by her new obligations towards the entente as well as by her own new requirements took no longer any account of the greco-servian treaty in the weeks that followed bulgaria's attitude grew more and more menacing the news of bulgarian grand manoeuvres and the raids of bulgarian comitages into servian territory it would seem ended by rousing servia to a sense of her danger and on august the second the servian minister of war took the opportunity offered him by a visit from colonel vlahopoulos to mention the need of an understanding between the two general staffs and of cooperation in case of a bulgarian attack colonel vlahopoulos told him that he had again and again endeavoured to enter into negotiations on that subject and had never succeeded in obtaining a hearing eight days afterwards he had with colonel pavlovich chef de la section des opérations a conversation in which the servian officer stated that his country could not transport at the moment to the northern part of the bulgarian frontier more than one or two divisions nor could it concentrate there the rest of its available forces except after a declaration of war as to south servia she would have to be left with the eight regiments made up of the nineteen fifteen conscripts that is raw recruits in return he demanded that greece should mobilize very quickly attack bulgaria and send a portion of her forces into servia to act against the bulgars colonel vlahopoulos carried these proposals to athens in person for servia had a year since recalled her military attache from the hellenic capital and the transmission of such a delicate matter by telegraph at such a time was out of the question and submitted them to the general staff on august the twentieth meanwhile the situation had grown worse and the fear which the greek general staff had expressed in the previous spring that it would be too late for an understanding had been fully realized from every side came intelligence of the concentration of austro-german forces towards the danube on september the first the greek general staff submitted to the minister of war the report brought by colonel vlahopoulos and set forth its own views on the new state of things expressing the opinion that for greece to participate with servia in a war against bulgaria austria and germany so long as she was not assured of the cooperation of other allied forces in sufficient number and in good time was tantamount to courting annihilation for the moment the servian army found itself faced by a superior austro-german army the greeks would have to fight the bulgars as well as in all probability the turks alone towards the end of september the servian colonel milovanovitch arrived at athens to ask what was greece going to do lieutenant-colonel metaxas of the greek general staff asked him in his turn what were france and england going to do the serb replied that he knew nothing about the anglo-french forces as to servia he was only able to supply information of a general character concerning the composition and the effective strength of the forces available against the bulgars he could say no more than that the servian group to the south-west of egripalanka consisted of about thirty battalions made up of serbo-macedonian conscripts which was just why the servian general staff had expressed the wish that two or three greek army corps might be concentrated in that sector lieutenant-colonel metaxas explained to him that it was impossible for greece to leave against the strong bulgarian contingents which threatened greek macedonia only two army corps so that she might reinforce with the rest of her army the servian right for if these two corps were beaten the whole of eastern macedonia and perhaps salonica itself 
would fall into the hands of the bulgars and the only lines of communication of the greek army which were also those of the serbian army would be cut the visit of colonel milovanovitch to athens served only to turn the apprehensions of the greek general staff into certainty it was now evident that if greece entered into the war she would be left isolated the serbs did not want to concentrate in serving macedonia other troops than those of inferior quality which were there already the french and english in spite of their assurances having no available troops would be able to concentrate in macedonia only by driplets a strong russian landing in bulgaria the only operation which could influence that country seriously did not seem probable for the moment lastly roumania was nowise disposed to take part in the war under these circumstances greece reasoned that it would be madness for her to plunge into a struggle in the course of which the austrians and the germans who could concentrate very easily superior forces to those of servia would succeed in crushing the latter while bulgaria turning with nearly the whole of her army against isolated greece would be able to inflict upon her an equally complete defeat on the other hand by holding aloof she would preserve her military resources intact while bulgaria was using up hers after glancing at the facts set forth above who could accuse greece of having failed to do her duty by her ally for a whole year she strove to get into touch with servia and to concert in time a plan of mutual defence and all the time servia bound by her new ties to the powers of the entente found herself absolutely unable to carry out her old obligations towards greece or even to consult with her about a fresh agreement for the common action while austria and germany still had their hands full elsewhere when she did offer to do so it was no longer a question of fighting the balkan enemies in reference to whom alone the treaty had originally been concluded but of dragging greece into the struggle of the entente powers against the empires of central europe and their allies a struggle which for greece meant destruction in view of the paucity of the entente forces in the east these facts also supply the answer to a riddle that must have puzzled many a newspaper reader why it was that while french and english onlookers have been reproaching greece bitterly for her supposed desertion of servia the serbs themselves have not uttered one word of complaint two the landing at salonica a queer story since nineteen fifteen british citizens throughout the empire have been longing for an authoritative explanation of two of our failures the gallipoli tragedy and its sequel the greek tragicomedy as to the first our desire was at last gratified a few days ago after a fashion by the publication of the dardanelles report upon the second we are still waiting for the government to speak and are likely to be kept waiting such being the case i consider it no presumption on my part to offer the public a few facts valuable in themselves and none the less interesting for being in the nature of revelations when the entente powers asked greece to go to servia's assistance in case of a bulgarian attack m venizelos expressed himself willing to do so on certain conditions he stipulated first that the allies should send to the balkan peninsula a hundred and fifty thousand men europeans not natives of africa or asia to take the place of the contingents which by the greco-servian treaty servia was bound to contribute in the event of joint action against bulgaria 
he made this demand a sine qua non partly in order to remove the objection raised against the greco-servian alliance by the opponents of his policy that it had become null through servia's failure to discharge her obligations and partly because without such help it was physically impossible for greece to enter the field secondly that so long as greece was still technically neutral the landing of the allied forces at salonica could not have the hellenic government's official sanction her neutrality however benevolent towards the entente made it imperative for greece to lodge a formal protest after fulfilling that formality the hellenic government would afford the allies the same facilities as at lemnos but the matter was not so simple at salonica as at lemnos provision had to be made here for the smooth disembarkation and journey to servia of a large army with all its impedimenta and moreover these measures had to be harmonized with the necessities of greece's own mobilization the problem owing to the primitive character of transport means in macedonia presented no end of difficulties requiring careful handling by experts therefore m venizelos stipulated thirdly that greece should have at least twenty-four hours notice all these conditions were accepted by the entente with one exception the british government did not want greece to protest against the landing lest her protest though merely formal should give germany a chance to say that the allies did to greece what she herself had done to belgium why said the foreign office protest at all since the landing would be effected with your collaboration however m venizelos insisted the question was at that stage still under discussion when suddenly on september the twenty ninth nineteen fifteen without a word of warning to the hellenic government the french consul at salonica accompanied by the captain of a french man-of-war and two officers from the dardanelles called on general moschopoulos the military governor of salonica and informed him that in pursuance of the understanding arrived at between the greek premier and the french minister at athens they were going to arrange for the landing of french troops and to provide for the defence of salonica against hostile submarines at the same time sir ian hamilton arrived at salonica with his staff and informed the governor that the allies were going to occupy part of the town and port and put them in a state of defence preparatory to the landing of the forces i do not know how a british governor would have behaved in a similar position but the greek replied with absolute politeness and no less firmness that without orders from his government it would be his painful duty to oppose any violation of greek territory as soon as a report of this singular proceedings reached him m venizelos drew up a vigorous protest in which after recapitulating the negotiations between himself and the entente powers he pointed out to them that their contemplated action so far from being in accordance with an understanding was calculated to create a very serious misunderstanding between greece and the allies such action he declared could not be carried out until after greece had lodged a formal protest and even then the hellenic government reserved to itself the right to decide without foreign interference to what extent its port and its railways should be used by the allies its decision being guided by its regard for the requirements of its own army then in course of mobilization the protest of m venizelos i can affirm without fear of contradiction was not a mere matter of form 
it breathed a spirit of indignation such as no subsequent greek premier has ventured to display in his protests against the encroachments of france and england upon the sovereignty of the hellenic kingdom m venizelos bitterly resented the action of the allies as an unwarrantable attempt to rush him into a compromising position to commit greece before france and england had bound themselves by a definite agreement who was responsible for this grave misdemeanor the first of the many performances which little by little converted the love of the greek nation for us into something different does the credit for this masterly ineptitude belong to the men in downing street the men in the quai d'orsay or the men in the dardanelles the question is worth asking i hope some member of parliament will ask it and get an answer a true answer if possible meanwhile the reflection forces itself upon one how could we have hoped to see greek statesmen of the school of m Skouloudis, gained over by a diplomacy which managed so successfully to goad even m venizelos its whole-hearted partisan into angry protests needless to say that the premier by protesting voiced the resentment of the whole greek nation the action of the allies would have irritated the greeks in any circumstances but the circumstances under which it took place were of a nature to deepen irritation into alarm just the day before september the twenty eighth sir edward grey had stated in the house of commons amid the loud hear hear of his audience not only is there no hostility in this country to bulgaria but there is traditionally a warm feeling of sympathy and he went on to emphasize once more the balkan policy of the entente powers our policy he said has been to secure agreement between the balkan states which would assure to each of them not only independence but a brilliant future based as a general principle on the territorial and political union of kindred nationalities to secure this agreement we have recognized that the legitimate aspirations of all balkan states must find satisfaction to understand the full effect of this statement upon the greek and servian minds it is necessary to note two things first neither greece nor servia had consented to endorse the policy it describes for neither recognized the bulgarian aspirations as legitimate holding on the contrary that on the principle of nationality the parts of macedonia which bulgaria claimed were respectively greek and servian and in nineteen thirteen they had fought bulgaria to vindicate their rights the utmost that the entente had got greece and servia to consent to was to yield some of the territories in question to bulgaria if with her cooperation they succeeded in compensating themselves at the expense of turkey and austria bulgaria had refused to cooperate on those terms demanding that the territories she coveted should be handed over to her at once in face of this knot two courses were open to the entente either to coerce greece and servia into a concession to bulgaria or to support them against her if the latter showed any hostile inclinations towards them the entente so far had restrained from committing itself definitely to either course its diplomacy being simply one of wait and see after waiting for nearly a year our diplomatists had now an opportunity of seeing this brings me to the second point when sir edward grey made his statement bulgaria had already mobilized her forces after having received from germany guns money and even military officers 
and no doubt could any longer be entertained by any sane mind as to her intention to join in the austro-german attack on servia the greeks who know the bulgars had refused to be deluded by the sofia government's official announcement of armed neutrality and had replied by immediately beginning to mobilize their own forces september the twenty third in order to go with the cooperation of the entente powers to servia's assistance such were the ideas with which the hellenic government had carried on the negotiations already described nor could they suppose the british and french governments blind to a situation which was so plain to themselves they believed that london and paris were as well informed about the significance of the bulgarian movements as was athens and they had been hourly expecting to see the entente powers drop their blandishments towards bulgaria and treat with her according to her conduct they expected that the least the entente powers could do would be to declare that the offers of greek and servian territory they had made to king ferdinand would be withdrawn if within so many days he did not either disarm or side with the entente instead of such a declaration the greeks heard sir edward grey assuring the bulgars of his warm sympathy with their legitimate aspirations what could this expression of british goodwill towards bulgaria at such a moment mean had sir edward grey gone mad or was he talking in his sleep the greeks including m venizelos and the government over which he presided were still wondering when a few hours after the report of the grey statement reached athens there came the news of the anglo-french step at salonica to turn their mystification into consternation the inference which they drew from this sequence of events was to put it briefly and bluntly that the entente powers harboured the sinister design to use the expedition dispatched to the relief of servia as a means for despoiling both greece and servia on behalf of the bulgars that they intended to try to buy king ferdinand at the last moment by handing over to him the portions of macedonia which they had tried in vain to induce greece and servia to yield to bulgaria it may be added that the greek suspicions were fully shared by the serbs we of course are bound to believe that neither our government nor those of our allies are capable of a dishonourable motive but strangers knowing nothing about our motives are apt to judge us only by our actions and it must be confessed the allies action following upon sir edward grey's speech did look suspicious if the intentions of the allies were pure their mode of procedure by whatever standard it may be judged certainly was peculiar so peculiar indeed that even m venizelos and his government despite their ardent desire to serve the cause of the entente were forced to protest whether the greco-servian interpretation of the anglo-french step was correct or not is a question which cannot be decided until the correspondence between the two foreign offices and their diplomatic agents abroad is submitted to impartial examination and this will not happen in our time all that we can say at present is that it was an interpretation based upon the knowledge of england's long-cherished bias for bulgaria ever since eighteen eighty five it has been the british government's idea that the solution of the balkan problem lay in the realization of the bulgarian dream of supremacy 
for thirty years the british government had worked towards that end with unwearied persistence and a ruthless disregard of both greek and servian interests hitherto its efforts had been frustrated by russia's bias for servia and france's bias for greece now however in obedience to the give-and-take principle without which the anglo-franco-russian alliance would have fallen to pieces paris and petrograd had given london a free hand as is clearly proved by the gray statement hence the alarm which inspired the protest of m venizelos the greek premier in order to set the public mind as well as his own at rest and to avert any deplorable complications for be it remembered though its mobilization was not yet completed the greek nation was already in arms and an armed nation in a state of alarm about its dearest interests is prone to kick over the traces ask the entente powers to hasten to announce plainly and solemnly that the promises they had made to bulgaria no longer held and to give a pledge that the dispatch of an expedition to servia would under no circumstances entail any peril to greek and servian territorial integrity unless that was done he declared no greek government could have a hand in the landing of international troops at salonica unfortunately the time for words had passed no statement could at that moment alter the course of events destiny moved too fast for diplomacy m venizelos uttered his warning on october the first on the second the bulgarian forces began to mass on the servian frontier while simultaneously the austro-german battalions were fighting their way across the danube on the fourth russia launched her ultimatum on bulgaria the tsar's minister was to leave sofia if king ferdinand did not within twenty-four hours openly break with the enemies of the slav cause and expel all german and austrian officers the rapid fulfilment of their own prognostications roused the greeks to the highest pitch of excitement but all faith in the entente had not yet been extinguished on the very day on which the petrograd cabinet delivered its tardy and ineffective ultimatum at sofia in athens the chamber held a historic debate which ended with a vote of confidence in m venizelos's policy of going to servia's assistance the vote was passed in the belief that the allies would keep the promise they had made to the greek premier to send to servia a hundred and fifty thousand men when next day october the fifth the allied forces turned up at salonica m venizelos his king and his people had the mortification to find that they amounted to blank nor did they approach the stipulated figure for months after servia's fate had been sealed to the feeling of confidence which had prompted that vote immediately succeeded a feeling of panic what cried everybody in athens are we to stake our liberty our national existence on such a chance say at a maximum three hundred fifty thousand greeks plus two hundred fifty thousand half-exhausted serbs plus blank allies against at a minimum five hundred thousand austro-germans plus four hundred thousand fresh bulgars plus a hundred thousand fresh turks nay if the english and the french love gambling we don't we cannot afford the luxury venizelos has allowed himself to be duped faced with such a crisis m venizelos did the only thing he could do 
he resigned october the sixth and his country faced with the abyss did the only thing it could do it shrank back on to the solid ground of neutrality from that fateful day m venizelos has been held by the bulk of the greek nation accountable for all the sorrows they have experienced at the hands of the entente all these calamities are traced back to his unfortunate negotiations i cannot share this view his policy in itself was sound enough and the only fault i can find with the way in which he carried it on is that it lacked the element of scepticism the times said the other day mr abbott is sometimes less than fair to m venizelos that is less than fair to me i have the greatest possible respect for m venizelos both as a man and as a statesman but i cannot be blind to his defects he is too apt to credit others with his own candour a most amiable defect and one that captivated me by its charming unexpectedness from the first moment now eight years ago i had the pleasure of meeting him but none the less a defect considering the sort of world in which we live on the other hand his protest shows that he had not carried his credulity to the length of committing greece irrevocably to the allies he had pledged her only on certain definite conditions conditions which the allies had accepted it would be very unjust to blame him for other people's failure to fulfil their engagements such then to conclude was the part of the greek premier in proceedings which we have been assured were carried out at his invitation if these proceedings were the work of private individuals and not of states the only term applicable to them would be one that courtesy forbids me to employ in the absence of a code of international morality it is difficult to suggest a phrase the reader of this queer story will naturally ask is it true i answer to the best of my knowledge and belief every syllable of it in proof i challenge the foreign office to publish the documents solemnly promising on my part to withdraw and apologize for any statement of fact that is not confirmed by documentary evidence three the expedition to servia and its results note we regret to disappoint those readers who have been following with great interest mr g f abbott's articles entitled the truth about greece sir e t cook the director of the press bureau considers the publication of these articles entirely contrary to the national interest and the publication of the above article would be he says very undesirable we dutifully bend the knee to the chief censor and in the national interest suppress mr abbott's third and remaining articles the editor end of the truth about greece by g f abbott